Welcome to Roll for Enterprise, the podcast described as the squishy center at the heart of enterprise IT. I'm joined this week by Zach and Lilac, and Mike sends his apologies from his Caribbean island hideaway, which may or may not include a volcano. You may have noticed that uh, there wasn't an episode last week, and if you didn't notice, we're all very offended and you can go away now. But uh, no, seriously, we tried to record an episode last week. Honestly, we did, but we ran into a myriad of technical issues, and eventually it was just insurmountable. Partly because I'm in the middle of an ambitious remodeling of my home office, and Zach is in the middle of an ambitious remodeling of his entire home, and it just wasn't happening. It was too much for us. So what we published instead was a textual podcast, a little experiment. Uh, We batted some topics back and forth, uh, but in text mode over the course of the weekend and then published at the beginning of the week on my personal blog. And we linked it from the social uh, accounts for the show. So if you haven't seen that, it's in the show notes. So you can go back through the Twitter or LinkedIn page and find the post where I announced that. But that's what happened last week. And... We apologize. We'll try not to make it happen again. But as I said in the blog post, like a quarter of shows die after just one episode. And we got through 62 before we had a single hiccup due to our highly reliable, redundant array of independent podcast co-hosts architecture. So Zach, how's it going in your end of the world? Cement everywhere, insulation everywhere. Cement, insulation everywhere, trying to trying to keep everything afloat uh, with work and everything else. But uh, I don't think I'm alone right now and getting ready to travel like like some people, I'm sure, yourself, Dominic, and Lilac, I don't know about you, but, you know, and I'm hearing these horror stories about traveling. So we're going to be, you know, traveling some now. And I'm not sure. I, I thought I really wanted to do it. And I still think I do. But then I think, oh, now, uh, you know, I remember the bad parts of traveling and now it's it's exponentially worse and so yeah, that's that's how it's going. Just trying to keep it all afloat and getting ready to travel again. Oh wow, I remember wow. that. Where are you going? Uh, just some sales. A sales meeting is one. Oh, work travel. Yeah. Oh golly, that's yes. a whole different game. Yeah, it yeah. is a different game. Yeah, work travel kind of surprises me, Lilac. That well, I guess it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. Um, you know, things are, are flaring up a bit again. So I don't know. You know, if these all these trips will still be on, but uh, yeah. Uh, conference uh, and a, a sales meeting where everybody, you know, uh, is getting together and, and all that. So it's uh, it's interesting. I I wonder about international travel. I wonder, you know, Dominic, this is more you than than me, but I wonder how that's looking. I wonder if that's freezing up or if it's you know opening up. What do you think? Well, I'm going to be traveling internationally over the summer. But in cars and not going to take a plane or a train or a bus or any sort of shared transport like that. Uh, Same as we did last year, did not seem like the right time to be sharing air with people we don't know (laughs) intimately. And I do have some work travel scheduled in October. We'll see what the situation looks like. I will be vaccinated by then. Middle of next week, actually, I'll be vaccinated. And so we can hope to get back to that because... Virtual events are all well and good, but I miss seeing people in person. But of course, I do want to do it you know, safely. I, I just spoke at our company's um, a virtual mid-year sales kickoff event, and I just thought this is 
definitely not the same. And you're not allowed to expense a bar tab for virtual events either. That's a big downside. Our first thing together, I think our first piece of work together was Dominic and I doing a sales um, enablement or sales kickoff event in Rome um, now probably 10 years ago. And it was quite the yeah. experience. And this uh, did not begin to hold a candle to the amount of coffee and red wine that I drank during that week. Then again, that's my normal day-to-day -day life here in Italy, you know. <laughs> yes, yes, you Italian. It's really interesting. You know, we say things aren't going to get back to the way they were, and I don't think they are, not anytime soon. Even this travel, it feels uh, different than I guess it normally would, and getting into the groove feels different. Is this going to be a false start? At least for me, I feel it's just going to be a false start. Are we really doing this? Uh, you know, uh, take all these precautions. So I wonder, you know, is this yet another new norm coming our way, perhaps? I mean, are we, are we going to go back to where we were a year ago? Are we going to uh, it's, it's, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it's interesting. I, I feel, I don't know, it, it feels different for sure. And it is different. Yeah, very. Uh, I just finished doing the um, mid-year performance and growth evaluation, which is its whole other topic. And uh, it, it's interesting because I've never met my, either my direct manager or either of my reports in person. As far as I know, they're cardboard cutouts and... <laughs> very animated ones, presumably. Yeah, 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 yeah. We can talk about this later, but, you know, Zoom's acquisition of Five Nines, I mean, they're probably betting big on remote collaboration a little bit and contact center stuff. But, yeah, anyway, go ahead, Dominic. Uh, the management thing is interesting. This is my first time doing a performance review, such a formal performance review from the position of a manager. I've uh, been a manager before, Zach, as you well know, uh, but not in such a structured situation. And uh, so it's harkened back to something we started to talk about last week before the technical difficulties, which was management as FOMO, as fear of missing out. Uh, and this is a conversation we've had in tech broadly before. The fact that at a certain point in your career, you run out of kind of forward momentum as an individual contributor, and you either step up to become a manager, or in many places, there's a feeling that your advancement stalls out, and so you're kind of forced into it. And then you wind up with lots of first-line managers who don't really want to manage people. They just want that next step in their own ladder. And that's certainly a problem. I'm sure you have thoughts uh, on this one. I think you were the one who originally brought it up. Yeah, I think it's actually a real issue. I mean, I feel as though a few different things can motivate this, this move to management. You know, one is sort of this idea that you get to control a little bit more of your own destiny with respect to what you're doing. You have a different kind of seat at the table. And so I can imagine that certainly for me at some point, that was part of the motivation was this thought that like as an individual contributor, my bailiwick was really very small. And then as I, um, as I grew to own a greater percentage of the domain that I was operating in, I had a little bit more control over what we chose to do um, and what our destiny was. And that doesn't ring, you know, that's not, true universally. Sometimes individual contributors have a great deal of control. Um, but there's many situations where basically at, at a more senior level, both in terms of title and in terms of scope, you're able to say, actually, going forward, we are never going to do XYZ type things, or we are going to do some other kind of thing, or we're going to focus here or focus there. And so that is part of the motivation. But I think the piece that is often lost is that managing means managing. That actually means there's humans that report to you and, and there's dynamics to that, right? Oh, yeah. I know they're, they're actually, <laughs> and they have feelings and, and opinions and, and goals of their own. It's really complicated. Um, and you don't usually get to pick your team, right? You usually inherit some percentage of the team and 
sometimes those people are great and sometimes those people are not. And sometimes those people have been subject to terrible management and you get to rehab them into sanity. Even if they're wonderful, three years of being beaten down will really do a number on somebody's ability to function and perform. And all of these things are part of a good manager's charter and not necessarily usually the motivator for people to get into management. They're not like, you know what I really want to do is deal with the humans all day. Well, you know, it, it is actually hugely rewarding, though, when someone says I have this growth goal and at least let me take that back. I find it hugely rewarding uh, to, when someone comes to me and says I have this growth goal, this uh, performance goal that I want to achieve and we figure out a plan and we execute and we assess uh, and at the end, that person has a new skill, a new reputation, a new whatever that's, uh, that they got. But it's also something that, A, I came to at a certain point in my career. I wouldn't have wanted to do it at other points. And B, I can totally see other people not doing. And I've been on the receiving end of those types of managers as well. Yeah, I think it's, I find it incredibly rewarding and I actually choose it with intent. But I think that when we when we align it with other parts of a career path or a growth path or a salary path, um, you end up in situations where people have what I think is part of the leadership obligation is to do these things, but people that are maybe not as committed to to that element of the role. Um, and it's it's heavy stuff. I think if you do it right, it's actually really difficult stuff to do well and consistently with a, a group of people that often are changing on you every few weeks or every few months. It just really depends on the organization. Dominic, we work together. The org chart changed every every quarter. Yeah, you got to roll with it. Um, but I think it's something that people should really consider whether they actually want to lead humans. Yeah, and I think it's something that engineering, the engineering path, does better. They have this idea of senior and principal and staff engineer who are all individual contributors. And they start to have more of a leadership role in a sense of leadership among equals rather than formal management, but uh, th there is that, that notion. In other areas, there might even be a hard cap. You can only uh, have so much pay or so much uh, stock option or whatever it is, unless you're a manager, and that also drives that. I think that's really misguided when that happens. Well, Dominic, I can speak from experience. You, you're an amazing manager, so you, you do it right, but not everybody does. And Lilac, with everything you said, you know, you do it right as well. And I, and I care too, you know, last year and I, to your point, uh, Lilac, and especially when you get those employees that you inherit, that just been, they've been beat down, right? They just, they've been, you know, whatever. Right. And, and to try to rebuild them and, and just see them just prosper. It's rewarding, but it's, it's, uh, it is a lot of work. And, you know, so I'm of probably the minority of, you know, I, I love to do it, but I care so much that I just, for me, I, I'm at the point, I think I just want to be a, an individual contributor. Um, but, but you know, it is, it, it takes a certain person to do it right. There are a lot of managers out there that have no business, you know, managing or leading, but if you care and you do it right, it's good for me. I care. And I, I felt like, you know, uh, the reward comes when your employees, you know, tell you, Hey, th they thank you. They're appreciative of what you're doing for them. You're helping them grow. And that is so rewarding, but I, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm I'm the minority camp. I just I'd rather be an individual contributor at this point. But that's, I think that's for everyone to to figure out, right? And it doesn't have to be consistent, right? Like I was an individual contributor for 
12 months and in this most recent role and then had a single report who is delightful for another period of time and then now again i'm i'm leading a, a fairly sizable team only in the last i don't know month or two I, I don't time has no meaning in a pandemic but um and you know it's a real it's a real shift i actually love them i think they're a wonderful group of people and i feel very lucky but um but it's a real shift in the way that your life is spent when you have seven one-on-one -on -one meetings every week um, and a set of people to direct and prioritize their work. And if you're doing it right, right, you don't want to burn anybody. You don't want to overtax anybody. You have to manage the, the workloads and the feelings and all of it. And I mean, I actually really, really genuinely like it and sought it out, um, but it is very different. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think it's interesting. I've spoken to some people that I think would be great managers and they also want to be individual contributors. And you know, I think it just depends, um, you know, on your early early part of your career too, right? If you had good exposure and things like that. But uh, yeah. But Dominic, you do it well. I'll tell you that. Oh, thanks. That means a lot. I thought that was really insightful on Lilac's part, the calling it the fear of missing out that people get forced into to a management path just because they feel missing out on career advancement and and so on. It's a really different thing. In Italy, we ha we actually have enshrined in law uh, a separate category between employee and management, uh, which is uh, quadro, cadre, I guess it would be. And the idea is that that's like a non-commissioned officer in the armed forces, someone who's senior in role is uh, is expert and shares that expertise, but doesn't have direct reports. And I think that's a, a concept that more functions within many companies uh, could could stand to introduce. That happens with distinguished engineers, right? Like yeah. a lot of larger tech organizations have a DE path that's separate from a management path that basically gets you into the what they'd call executive ranks with stock options and all these other things. Um, but the idea is that you remain a, an, an individual contributor, often in a role that feels like a architect or another sort of visionary within the tech stack. Yeah. And often there's something like an office of the CTO. And this means different things in different companies, right? Uh, uh, it has been described in certain places as the island of misfit toys, where senior people in acquired companies go to rest until their golden handcuffs unlock and they, they leave. Uh, in other places, it's genuinely a group of senior advisors to the CTO but often there's no explicit career path to how you get in there. These are just people that have particular expertise that the CTO values and brings in rather than this is something that you can aspire to and here are the steps to get there. The other thing I would also bring up about management, which I think is hard to anticipate going into it, is that you're you if you're doing it right, I think you can't actually sort of keep shoving the blame upward. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, but the way I, I, I think about it is management will make a set of decisions. They'll make a set of decisions like management in air quotes will make a set of decisions about we're not doing salary increases during COVID or we're shutting down the Uzbekistan office or whatever that the decision might be. And as a leader within the organization, maybe not as a first line engineering manager, but certainly as you climb the ladder, you can't say management them over there. Those other people made a set of decisions and I may disagree with them. And, you know, they're all crazy. That's not a stance you get to take. You are actually the leader that speaks to your team and to other people on behalf of the quote, quote, management, the leadership, the CEO, whoever it is. And you don't get to create distance between yourself and the people above you 
when major decisions come down, because that distance is actually a little bit toxic, right? I disagree with the fact that they didn't give salary increases during COVID is a horrifying thing to say if you're a direct line manager to your team that can actually be really detrimental to your organization. You're not allowed to create that space between you and the people who have necessarily had to make those decisions for perhaps myriad other reasons, right? Um, and, and sometimes you're not even allowed to give the reasons. You are not allowed to say we're right near the line and we might be in the red if we don't you know, cap salary drink. Like, there's a lot of things that you have to hold on to, that you have to manage the message and that you have to get aligned with in a way that I think is actually um, a, a pretty heavy burden and one that isn't usually mentioned when people move forward into these roles. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, heavy is the head that uh, bears the management crown. <laughs> I mangled that quote horribly. It's an interesting thing. And as I say, I made my choice and there are certainly trade-offs. Uh, you have to let go of being an individual contributor yourself. And when you've built up significant expertise and maybe some self-image associated with being the person who knows X uh, and is good at Y, letting go of that and building someone else up to become the person you were is a is a realignment that's psychologically not always the easiest, but it is also really rewarding. This may go together with parenting. There's certainly a lot of similarity in growing and developing uh, skills and independence and uh, stepping back and letting someone take their own steps. You can certainly see some similarities between those two approaches. It'll be interesting when Mike gets back from his vacation, we'll ping him on this one as well, because he's got a slightly different uh, management situation than uh, than any of us, I think. Probably also rail against uh, European HR regulations <laughs> as part of that. That is just jealousy. What that is, is straight up jealousy. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, managers encourage your reports to take their paid time off <laughs> this year, especially because it is very, very needed. With that... There hasn't been that much news in terms of massive impacts. There's been the usual low-grade, ongoing ransomware nonsense. Uh, there was a five nine acquisition that you mentioned, Zach. I, I'm a little bit disappointed by that one, to be honest, because it feels like uh, Zoom is going in a direction that's not relevant to me. And I don't know whether it's just jealousy that they bought a... Uh, contact center management firm rather than something that would help me <laughs> in my job. But it's, uh, they certainly spent a lot of money doing it. So it's what, just shy of 15 billion with a B? It's, uh, it's a lot. I, I think it's well, I think it's brilliant for them. Um, they're definitely going after Cisco, right? Public enemy number one, ex-Cisco ex guy. Right, they're all ex-Cisco management over there, right? Yeah, the 49 guy I, I, and the Zoom guy. Right, right. I think it's, I think it's brilliant, uh, especially from a contact center perspective and enterprise. There's a lot of money there. They're going after that you know, collaboration market in the enterprise. And to me, we, we used to give them grief. You know, oh, they're, you know, they're just like, you know, for... Are they a fad? Are they just like, you know, a sign of the times? And no, they're, they're doubling down enterprise. I mean, they are hiring a lot of ex-Cisco people, by the way, uh, and they're just going after it. So, you know, when you look at um, enterprise, when you look at contact center, at least from Cisco's perspective, uh, and I mean, the big boy contact center, I mean, they had a lot of it when it was on-prem. A lot of it was going to cloud. Cisco made an acquisition. Um, they acquired, uh, it's eluding me a couple of years ago, and Broadsoft, I think. And, um, that hasn't gone well for them. It's gone okay from what I understand and what I've seen. But Zoom is doubling down. They're going after that market. And it's a big market. There's a lot of money there. Um, so I think it now it was steep. But look, when your stock price is what it is and your your market cap is 
much bigger than it is. I don't know how much of that is cash, how much of that is stock. I'm sure there's a mixture of both, and it might be an all-stock purchase. If it is, good for Zoom. They they got it cheap, in my opinion, right? I don't know the details, but I do know that, uh, and Mike will have something to say because I think he really liked Five Nines uh, or still likes them. I think it's I think it's good for Zoom. I, I think it's a good acquisition. Oh, yeah, it'll be good for them. It's just not going to be anything I care about myself. That, <laughs> that's the issue. Yeah. Right. Yes, but Dominic, it's not an Apple product, so the bar is so super high for you. No, this is true. I'm waiting for that monitor. Maybe this is going to be the year. Uh, you still haven't bought the monitor, or is it on back order? Wait, wait a minute, I forget. No, so they still haven't announced one, so I haven't bought one. We'll see. Once my office is put back together, I think I'm going to make that call. Oh, you're buying an Apple monitor. How nice. I, I, I don't if, if they not. If they ever release one. I could, well, okay, if they do, it's going to be expensive. I can tell you, I can't afford that. I'm sure. I tell you up front before they even. Oh no, no, I'm not buying that crazy six K one. I oh, own okay. several cars that now were cheaper than that thing, like put together. <laughs> Good old Apple. Good old Apple. By the way, Apple's now number three. They fell to number three on on right phone sales globally. Right? Isn't it uh, Samsung? And number two is now um, uh, Xiaomi. Is that who it is? Number two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. They'll announce the new ones in September. But uh, people did. Speaking of FOMO again, uh, people did point out that this is not a good year to be buying a new phone because you can't whip it out uh, at the bar and uh, make a splash. <laughs> I was going to say they're number three on units sold, but I'm sure revenue wise they're probably number one because they're they're charging a premium. But they get the premium, and and I have an iPhone, although mine is soon to be three years old this October. Maybe maybe I'll refresh. I don't know. Yeah, I'm two years. I'm on an 11. Uh, we'll see. The 12, like I say, never leaving the house. Why would I upgrade? Uh, we'll see if the 13 brings something more significant or brings me out of the house. Phones phones for Dominic are like new suits. Like, what's the point if nobody's there to see it? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Did you see Xenia had to refinance because I hadn't been in the boutique? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> the market for tapered trousers are just so small outside of Italy. <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> well, by the way, with Apple, they are delaying their return to office plans now till October because of the new Delta. Yeah, there was That's such a backlash. Now. Well, there was also the huge backlash. Yeah, the, the, the Delta variant wouldn't have helped. I mean, I, I think that was very poorly managed in terms of PR. The Apple has always had a very in-office culture. And part of that is, you know, if you're working on hardware, you can't set up your lab bench at home and work on stuff they they've always had this notion of secure labs that you you work in on your project inside the lab and you don't leave you don't talk about it and so that, that's hard to replicate of course all plenty of other jobs it is possible to do elsewhere but apple has a large number of people that are either working on the, the hardware itself the, the physical hardware or they're working on dev kits that are also themselves apple specific and secret and can't leave uh, cupertino so they had a particularly hard job compared to a software company uh, of uh, working remotely. So I think that was a, a story that was just very poorly managed uh, in terms of PR. And it came just as they were changing PR chiefs, I think, as well. It's uh, not ideal. But anyway, we shall see what happens with that and whether any of us ever leave the, the home. And of course, we're all relying on internet services. And when those internet services have outages, it makes the news. And this week, it's been Akamai. So hug ups to the Akamai team. I took down a huge chunk of the internet. And there was some graphs from Down Detector that were just, you know, 
household names wall to wall and everything was red. <laughs> I had a good customer base, but not the way you want to find out about it. And speaking of fun websites and DNS, uh, there was a different kind of supply chain attack. Uh, a bunch of websites, including the New York Times, were suddenly featuring hardcore pornography. What happened was they were loading some things from a third-party domain uh, and a video hosting site called Vidme that has gone belly up and their domain had lapsed and it got bought up by a purveyor of hardcore pornography who then started sharing quite happily with these millions and millions of uh, new viewers uh, their wares. So that was interesting and a reminder to everyone to validate your supply chain because you never know what might get injected into it. Pun somewhat intended. Oh, God, Dominic. <laughs> oh, no, Dominic. Whoa. You know, I wonder that somewhere in that company they're thinking, okay, so here's our customer acquisition strategy. What we're going to do, if only we could get the eyeballs of the New York Times readership that would definitely grow subscriptions by 20%. Like, how did that whiteboard done go? Done. Someone juiced their KPIs and they got their bonus for this quarter. It just seems like a crazy, crazy idea. But there has to be some sort of, I'm not suggesting there's a business case behind it, but there's certainly like some back end, like go to market motivation here that has driven this behavior. And just a big part of me would love to be in a fly on the wall of that meeting. Yeah, <laughs> hilarious. Uh, speaking of keeping it clean for once, uh, I also have a recommendation this week. Install your operating systems clean. Don't restore from a backup. Parts of the technical problems last week were probably my fault. I don't think it was 100%, but part of it was certainly I had a very, very sick Mac that I'd been nursing along because we had our big corporate event and I didn't want to mess things up or lose time. And it finally hit the wall or messed up the bed when we tried to record a podcast. So I blew the whole thing away, paved it from orbit and reinstalled the operating system fresh with only what I know I need. And it absolutely flies. It's like having a new machine. I definitely advise that over restoring from time machine or a backup like that. Takes a little bit longer, admittedly, but you get a better result. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, I need to think. I need to think about that then. Either of you have recommendations this week? Um, no. If you want to go to space, maybe in a couple of years, if you're if you're kind of to Jeff Bezos. Oh, you back to the porn again? With the, no, space. the shape of his rocket. If you, uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. If you want to take off and go to space, maybe you can start. Maybe you can book a travel in a couple of years. But no, I have uh, no recommendations I can think of other than, you know. Um, no, I, I, you know, if I get done with this house, maybe I'll, I'll be able to get back on the recommendation train. But I'm just trying to think. I lead a boring life right now, Dominic. I'm just focused on the house and work, and and that's it. So no, nothing for me. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I have any this week. Though I'm noodling on a, a, a sort of bigger, broader recommendation going forward. I'm doing some uh, additional work on trying to get a little mindfulness into my life, and so I'll let you know how my experimentation with that is going. Oh, looking forward to hear about that. Well, my mindfulness next week is going to be throwing myself down an alp on a mountain bike, so you'll have to get by without me, but I'll be back mm, in the following I really week. hope you're present in the moment there, Dom. <laughs> oh, definitely, yes. It's, that's one of the great things about mountain biking. You cannot get distracted. Or, well, bad things happen. With that, thank you all for listening. Uh, it's uh, great that we seem to have managed to record an entire show. 
Uh, do follow the show on Twitter at Roll for Enterprise or on our LinkedIn page uh, because that's also where we'll post if we do have any future difficulties. The theme music uh, that you should be hearing under my voice is by Renato Podesta. Please do send us suggestions for topics or guests for future episodes and we will speak to you all next week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.